Well, hello to everyone. This is the Gut Check with Cesar Gomez, and I'm super excited today to bring you more gut checks. And you guys might ask, why is it the gut check? Because one of the things we've done is every person that comes in as a guest or myself when I upload any new episodes, the things that you want to look out for is the personal experiences, the lessons through the journey of entrepreneurship, through different careers, and for you to be able to listen to them and resonate through your personal experiences. And that's what the gut check is. And with that, let's get this ball rolling. So what's up, guys? This is actually Caesar with the Gut Check. Actually, it's three of us right now. Um, I'm super excited to have you guys here. We all have our own podcast, but today we're just gonna freestyle it. We're just gonna talk about everything. Why not? So why not? This is Caesar and what's up, guys? My name is Ellie Gamo. Um, in the baseball community, I'm known as the baseballologist. I have my own podcast called the Baseballogist Show. Uh, what I'm known for is uh, I'm the first professional baseball fan where I showcase the ins and outs of the game. Um, sh- you know, long story short, I want to be the Anthony Bourdain of baseball, and we'll we'll talk more about it. Let's do it. I'm Joe Spears. From where? Rancho Cucamonga. <laughs> That's all I got. So you know, one of the things is that today there's no agenda, but there is an agenda because. We want to be able to provide value to the listeners and it's more about them than us because they actually are the ones that take the information in and let's, let's provide the most value we can of our personal experiences. So, you know, now that we have, you know, Joe, we had you in my, po- for, you were actually the first person on my podcast and you shared your story. And he was the first person on my <laughs> podcast, LA. Isn't it crazy? Yeah. So now. And now we're all the first person on all of our baby. podcasts at the same time. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. And so now that we have LA, let's, let's get a story. Let's talk about, let's talk about how you started baseball, where you grew up and your journey of where you're at today. And, you know, if you guys don't follow him, follow him. What's your Instagram? Baseballologist. Type in baseball, then O-G-I-S-T. That's me. And he has a great IG. He has great videos and just providing baseball value to all the baseball lovers. And so share a little bit about your background. Where did you grow up? How did you start that? We'll get into the idea of the baseballologist. And then you could you had him in your podcast. So now it's, um, it's super exciting to, that we all had each other on our first podcast. Yeah, mine's not as fun as his, though. His is way more fun than mine. Why is yours not as fun? Mine's more, like, serious. He's, like, he, he has fun. <laughs> he's a fa- I mean, he's a fan. I'm a fan of baseball, too. But he's just tackling a different part of the game, I think. I don't know. He just has a better personality than me, too, I guess, <laughs> as well. <laughs> we still look alike, though, so we're fine. Yeah. So, <laughs> I, just a, I just got Jerry Curls. <laughs> <laughs> where did... Where did um, how did L.A. get started? Where did L.A. grow up? You know, what exactly tr- got you into baseball? How was your upbringings? Did your upbringings, were they easy? Were they hard? Just share, share a little bit so everybody knows a little bit of where you come from. Um, I always like starting off with one thing is, um, you know, in all the pictures, most pictures I take, I always throw up the number three. I don't know if you guys ever noticed that. No. I always throw up number three is because when I was three years old, my mom signed me up for baseball. Wow, okay. you know, Joe, how how old are you supposed to be when you're when you're T ball? How old are you supposed to be? T ball? Yeah, 
I have no idea. Five? It's four or five. Five, yeah, yeah. Right. Was so, five. so I was three years old and I have three older brothers and I was like, Mom, I wanna I wanna play baseball. You know, I'm I'm tired of like playing catch with my mom, you know, my brothers and so I wanna play T ball. So I'm three years old, I can't play no more, you know? And she signed me up. I cried so much, she signed me up for baseball. Wow. She uh she lied about my age. She didn't bring my birth certificate. So I was a three year old balling out against four or five year olds in T ball. Wow. And that was the start of everything. I, I'm a believer in everything happens for a reason. You know what I mean? Like everything happens for a reason. What if she signed me up at four or five? What if I didn't like the game? You know what I mean? Like yeah. things could happen differently. But she signed me up at, at three years old and that's where things started. Throughout my whole life, I rocked the number three until like college because it was a it was a reflection of thank you mom thank you mom for bringing me baseball and giving me the opportunity wow. right played i did everything did literally did pony uh, i lived in westminster california moved to Marina valley california when i was thir- 12 13 years old and um did pony uh, i made fr- i made varsity my freshman year did varsity everything right but something happened in high school where i'm like you know what? i love the game so much that it doesn't end with playing. I love the game so much that I want to give back somehow, hmm. right? And my my only goal was to become a professional baseball player. Remember I told you outside was yeah. just the opportunity of giving getting a ball and throwing it to a kid and be like, hey, keep working hard. That's it. That's all. That's literally all I want to do. Making making that impact. Making that impact, you know. And my motto, I, I still have it. It's on my personal Instagram. I don't promote my personal Instagram, but my my uh caption for like six seven years has always been i just want to travel and watch baseball mm-hmm. and traveling and watch traveling and watching baseball there's so much in between you know through traveling through engaging through experiencing through reviewing everything right so high school happened i got a um you know one of my biggest checkpoints in life is when i got cut from a rcc you know, Dennis Rogers, Andy Rojo, Garza, all of them. They, I love all of them, by the way, for cutting me. You know, I, I give them all praise. I told every single one of those coaches. I told Garza, I told Andy Rojo, I told uh, Chris, I told um, Rogers and uh, Yoon, all those coaches. Hey, thank you for cutting me because that was like a wake up call in my life. You know what I mean? Like you need to, you need to learn from your failures. So did you use that as fuel? Hell yeah. You know. Um, and being a, a stud in high school, yeah. I never knew what failure was. So it took me a while, probably took me two, three weeks to understand, hey, this is only one school that doesn't like me. So yeah. what am I going to do about it? Am I going to quit or am I going to continue, you know, move forward? Well, wow. I move forward. I found a, a, a Juco is a Mount San Jacinto, played two years, balled out, you know, leadoff hitter, second baseman, balled out. Got a full ride scholarship to San Marcos, Cal- uh, San Marcos University out in San Diego, you know, and they really taught me that just because one thing doesn't work doesn't mean it's done. That means you find another way, right? And let's dig on that because one of the things is that um, most people. Why do most people quit? Um, <laughs> I feel like uh, it's it's a lot. It's really. Well, I mean, at least from the baseball perspective, baseball is a tough sport, man. It's always. Uh, but isn't life all, a tough sport, too? Yeah, it is. But I think baseball is really it's perfect for people 
if if you stick it out in baseball, you know, and you and, and you go through the failures and you endure through all that stuff and you find a way to persevere, then you're much more prepared for what life throws at you off the field later down the road. So I think because it is such a game of failure, um, it's very easy to get tired of failing, right? So, but you, you're going to fail more than you succeed in the game every day. Yeah. And um, even when you, obviously, if you, if you, you know, succeed a third of the time, you're, you're, you're doing pretty well. You're, you're you know? so seven feet. It's, uh, yeah. So it's, uh, you know, it's hard to, it's, I think that's hard for the average mind to comprehend where you're like, shoot, I'm that, even when I'm successful, I'm really not like successful all the time. Correct. You know? So it's like, yeah, it's kind of hard. I think it's, it's hard for, I think for kids too, where they're, you know, they they got so many people in the ear, parents, coaches, you got social media now, you have, you know, I mean, no offense, but you have guys that are broadcasting or commentating in the big leagues who have no idea what they're talking about. They're just trying to fill space with with nonsense, and people Jibberish. are feeding off of that. And there's no real value being provided all around them. So, you know, they it, it's very hard. There's so much noise around them that when they go on the field and they fail, they don't really. I don't think they know how to deal with it, um, especially if it you know if it's consistent failure. You know. So like right like LA, you were sharing when you were RCC, and the coaches cut you, right? Well, I mean, most people at that moment in time said, "I'm done. That's it." Mm-hmm. They don't. So is it is it the drive? Is it the mindset, or is it just the DNA that makes you make that decision? Because at the end of the day, like you're saying, you know, the environment, you know, nobody taught us how to how to pivot on a, on, on a moment of, of adversity when somebody tells you, hey, you're not good enough. Do you just like say, all right, cool, I'm not, and accept it, and then just keep on going with your life as a mm-hmm. failure? Or do you, is it, is, you know, and that's the question, and we probably won't have an, a correct answer, but at the end of the day is, the reason I'm picking on this question is because most people, the moment things get hard, they quit. Yeah. That, and also, I think in in and I'm you know, going back to baseball because of, you know obviously how it parallels everything entrepreneurship, you know any walk of life you enter after you know you're done playing the game. What's funny about baseball is like you got to just really love the game regardless of the outcomes okay. or the results, right? Okay. And so that kind of gets you past the failures, you know, gets you okay with 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 failing, right? But what's funny is when you do that, you fail less. If you're chasing success in the game, I don't think you're always going to achieve that success. You just really got to love the game at the end of the day. And, that, and then, you know, things fall in place. You start, you know, doing what you need to do to gain more success. But it's because you love it, not because yeah. you want to go two for three next week. You know, it's just the process that you, you know, everybody it, says trust the process. It's, and, and I think you got to be really passionate. You know, you got to be really, really passionate to what you do, mm-hmm. you know, playing baseball. Because if you're not, the moment things get hard, you quit. Yeah. Yeah. And and tell you the truth, like, like I was I was pretty good through high school, right? Yeah. Uh, again, I was I was the guy where you know, I was a freshman in varsity, and I, I, I claimed my spot all four, all four years. So I, I never felt 
adversity. I never felt failure. And probably a good saying or motto I always like hearing is fail fast. Mm. Fail fast. The, the the faster you fail, the, the 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 faster it is to overcome it. Okay. I've never I've never experienced that. Mm. That's why you know when you when I failed, then my ego came in. Then I was like embarrassed, and I didn't want to play. I I, I didn't want to deal with that. Yeah. So that's where most people, you know, fail at is they don't know how to handle loss of money, loss of a business, failure, being cut quitting they don't know they don't know how to deal with it so what i did i left the game for three four five probably weeks but then i was like wait what am i doing right yeah just like what joe said it comes down to what do you love doing and the way i viewed the game was kind of how i viewed girls was all right you like this girl you you shoot for your shot you get you, you get shut down are you gonna stop yeah. no you're gonna go to the next girl okay so I failed with this school. How many schools are there around? I'm going to shoot my shot because I love the game. And hence, you know, back to my, it's like how much you love girls. All right. One girl shuts you down. Doesn't mean you're not, not going to like girls no more. Correct. So I kept That's going. a great analogy. Right. It's just, you got to keep going. Yeah. Some guys how, stop liking girls. I think one girl some shuts guys. them down and they go the other direction. Some guys, right? <laughs> but it, it, I loved the game so much to where that was my wake-up call, yeah. right? I'll, I'll be honest. I don't share this too much on baseball, but my brother kind of really put a big part in my life where he's uh, he's 10 years older than me. So he's like, hey, man, are you still playing? I'm like, no, I'm done. Like, what the f-? You know? Yeah, go ahead. Say it, dude. What the, fuck you, what, what the <laughs> fuck are you doing? I'm like, I'm done. Wow. And he's like, you're a fucking loser. And and I've never heard those those words. And you know that those words are crazy. Yeah. You know what yeah, I mean? Like, come they, on, they you don't, get you. Don't talk to me like that. Don't talk to me like that. But <laughs> I wish I could say that to some of our players. Do it. <laughs> With that apparent yelling right. at me. But what I'm saying is, like, <laughs> he believed in me so much to where he knew he could call me that. You know. And that's a great point. What you just said. You say could it, you know say that to a couple of our players, but. Sometimes we need to say the truth, but unfortunately we live in a world today where the truth is too hurtful. Yeah. Um, so you're 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 doing somebody justice, you're serving them a purpose, but then they take it as yeah, an it's attack. Pers- it's a personal attack. It's a personal attack. But I think today in today's times, you know, through everything we've gone through this year, 2020, um, COVID, uh, businesses stalled, businesses shut down. We really have to take that serious. Like if somebody tells me, and again, it, it depends who it's coming from. You know, you guys being in baseball and being able to have such a great track record. So you guys have a track record. When you tell somebody something, it's worth what you're saying. Right. It's like, I can't do that because I'm not in baseball. So I can't tell somebody be like, well, you suck or well, because it'd be like, who the hell are you? Right. So it it has to be taken from the who it's coming from. Right. Like your brother, your brother's like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. Right. But he shook you up because coming from him. So he shook you up. And guess what? You went out there and got back at it. Yeah. And then got a full ride. 
and finish college. Yeah. And 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 it's the reason why I took it so positive positively was it's a brother that loves me. Right? Yeah. You know, going back to coaching is I talk to my ki- my kids hard yeah. because I believe in them. Yeah. I'm not going to talk like them if I don't believe in them. Right? And that's where people lose sight of you know that that being a hard ass of a of a parent or a coach or a mentor is if you're being talked to like that, it's because that person loves you or believes in you and mm. sees so much potential. Mm. And for my brother to say that to me, I was like, you're right. Like, I love the game much more than all my brothers put together. Yeah. I have so much more love. That's not even about the game. Mm. It's about what I can do with the game. And that's what it is. That's and, what it is. And touching back to which is something you said right now, when we believe some, when we believe in a person, we believe in them more than they believe in themselves. Yep. That's why we're hard on them because they they don't know how much potential they have. So we got to bring it out of them yep. because we believe in them. Yep. And your brother believed in you. And that's why he told you what he told you. Joe, when you when you say I feel like telling some of the kids that it's not that you don't like them. It's because you believe in them more than they believe in themselves. Ninety percent of the time is because I believe in them. There's a ten percent. There's a ten I mean, I'll that's be a, I'll keep a, it real. Good, not, a, I don't like everybody. That's a good that percentage, Joe. The- that's a good percentage. Ninety yeah. percent is pretty good. And it's not because they're not good kids, it's just that the attitude isn't quite the fit, you know. So you think it's the attitude is just just the state of mind because the mindset. Because their attitudes it's just like, you know, I tell my kids, when you're on the real world, you represent me. So if you're out there being a clumsy ass, well, you're representing me. I'm a clumsy ass, right? And I'm not saying the parents are, but the, the, the kids is just a reflection of their environment. Yeah. So what you're saying is, you know, the kids being hardheaded or the parent, you know, the kids not doing what you tell them. Right. Well, it's just because of the environment they're in. That's how they've been programmed. And it's it's unfortunate that that's just the environment they're in. So, you know, that temper, the 90-10 rule, I guess, in baseball. I mean, now. 90-10? You guys got to create a podcast on the 90-10. We'll do the 90-10 rule next week. What that really entails. But, I and I agree. Um, and it's most it's not young kids. It's mostly like the kids that they if they join with what we do, you know, as sophomores, juniors, even seniors in high school, they're already kind of stuck in their ways. Very hard to coach. I don't want to say every kid, but it's harder to coach kids at that age than it is to coach a 12 year old, you know, um, because they, you know, they've, you know, they've already been around the game long enough to where they feel comfortable in what they're doing. Um, so if they are stuck in their ways, a little bit right then obviously it's very hard to get them to conform to a program that you're trying to you know instill right so most i mean younger kids it's i don't know it's more of 99 one you know younger kids like but you know like i would say 13 younger is like 99 one Goes up to 95.5 at 14, 15, 16, 17, and it's 90, 10. Okay. So it's, it, it's, there's a, there's a sliding scale, kind of. It is. Yeah. As long yeah. as it stays in the 90s. And then it, <laughs> it tried, it tried to, I mean, the thing is, you're never, you're never going to get perfection out of anybody, right? Players, coaches, parents, nothing. You're never going to get perfection, but, you know, you're going to get, 
kids that want to be there, right? And those, whether they perform, succeed, you just kind of know who wants to be there because they keep coming back even when things aren't mandated for them, right? So you know they want to be there. You can see it in their face. You can see, you know, they ask questions. They engage in stuff that, you know, maybe other kids don't necessarily engage in. Their body language shows that they're in tune to what you're what you're talking about. Um, you know, you just know you just know when a kid is is really buying in, right? And then you know when a kid isn't, you know, and that's those are the kids that are that's hard to, those are the kids that are hard to to Coach. work with because at the end of the day they're not just wasting like their own time. You know, they're wasting money, parents' money. They're wasting the kids around, you know, their teammates' time. They're wasting coaches' time. But, you know, you got to treat them fairly because they're, you know, it's America. And you got to treat everybody fairly. But also, no, no, but seriously, like sometimes they break out of that. It takes them a while, but then they break out of that. They break out of that little uh, shell that they're in and they find a way to to kind of blossom a little bit. But you just got to be patient with those types of kids, I guess, but. Yeah, I would say 95, 90-10. All right, cool. 90-10. 90-10 is, hey, you got to trademark that and then, uh, just talk about it. 90-10. Still 90. <laughs> so you finish college. What what happens next? So you get this full ride. You, 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 you know, you, you go through college. What happens after college? So I did my, um, I did my two years and it was phenomenal, right? But like. There's a time in people's lives or in athletes' life where you're like, damn, it's kind of the end. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I was like, what's right, next? What's next? Right. Yeah. I, I was a middle infielder. I got beat out in um, second base. I was I was a phenomenal leadoff hitter. So the coach told me, hey, go to find a spot. I was like, all right, let me steal a spot. I went to left field. Totally fine. That was like a sign where like, damn, if I'm, you know, a junior – and I got beat up by a freshman, and I, you know, my bats, the, you know, probably my only, like, my biggest asset. It's like, all right, maybe I don't have all the tools to play the next level. And I was totally fine with that. But that's where you have to understand being realistic with where you're at in life, right? So during my last year, I was like, man, this is my last year. Let me enjoy it. So question is, what what's next? How can I make this dream still a reality if I'm not going to make the league? You know, and it took me a while. I, I, I started up a whole bunch like different projects. That was 2016. It took me two years. But one day I was like, you know what? I asked, my, I asked myself the question, what's the game missing? And I think this is, a, you know, a, a tip for anyone who wants to create is what is it that you want to do that the world is missing? Mm. Music, fashion, baseball, you know, social media, you know, uh, influencer. What What is people missing that you want to watch? Yeah. And I was like, you know, like baseball is a, you know, it's, it's a boring white man sport. You know what I mean? <laughs> like it's a boring old school white man sport. What's the game missing? And it goes back to my roots of who I looked up to, and I told you outside is one one of one of like one of my inspirations is Joe. Do you know who Anthony Bourdain is? Mm-hmm. Anthony Bourdain is a chef, then an author, then he got his own reality show, and he had his own show on Travel Channel called um, 
Andy Bourdain, no reservation. No reservation. No reservation. And then parts unknown. He was a yep. moved to CNN. Yep. And and what he's known for was being a chef, connoisseur. I'm sorry, a food connoisseur with no restrictions or uh, or filter. He would go to different city, states, countries, and review food and give it his most authentic review. Oh, this is shit. Oh, this is great. This is phenomenal. Oh, and he got a show out of it. And you saw it. You saw how he was he, very poetic too, man. Very like just uh, like the way he describes stuff. Like you ever watched any of his shows? Man? No, I do. Okay, like all the all the celebrities that like that you know pass away, kill themselves. All like that was the one guy probably in the last ten years that I was really bothered by. Yeah, by, by his passing. Like Robin Williams. Okay, I was like, okay, that sucks. But Anthony Bourdain, like he was. He was he was an artist. He was a man. dude. He's an artist. So I can see why you kind of like look at him and say like they got that's what I want to do yeah. in baseball. And I can see D- that. Dude was himself. He didn't care. And he was that authentic. Authentic. His authentic authentic authenticity authenticity. <laughs> you think Anthony Bourdain could pronounce this word? Authenticity. Authenticity, authenticity <laughs> is what made him a show. And you saw it through his yeah, through his shows, and I'm like, well, that's how baseball is. Yeah, like we see baseball as a game, but there's so much more. It's not just a game; it's a lifestyle. So let me do that, because baseball is, isn't just what we see. There's so much more. Yeah. So that's why I called myself. I wanted to figure out a name where it's. So universal, where it's not niche, where it's like, oh, he just does, you know, skits or what. I want to figure out a name where it could be like a expertise of baseball. Nice. So I, I, I like wordplay. So I thought of, all right, what's well, a person that is an expertise? Like a scientist. A scientist can break down the ins and outs of science. Scientists. So I was like, all right, baseballogist. Yeah, baseballogist can break down the ins and outs of the game. He could be. He could showcase the ins and outs of the game through, you know, coaching, through entertainment, through humor, through reviews, through anything. Experiences. Experiences. So, when was Baseballogist born? On paper, the idea on paper, October two thousand seventeen. Wow, I remember distinctively the day I wrote it. The day I can show next time I come, I'll bring my notebook. Yeah, I want to see it. I wrote it all down. That is so awesome. Two months of just planning, writing. So for whoever's listening, if you have an idea, write it down, then execute. It took me three months. January 5, 2018 is my first post ever. So that's what, two uh, two and a half years ago? Yeah. Well, December's yeah. four, yeah. yeah. A little over two months. Two and a half years. 2021, 20, four months. Oh. About we've, to be, yeah. we've been in quarantine six months. <laughs> Dude, I don't even want to. <laughs> Let's talk about that again. We've got the we'll avocado talk about tree. Like, remember that? <laughs> <laughs> Their first, the first podcast. <laughs> but, you know, and, and, and I want to pick at that. And then we'll go back to the avocado tree. But um, the reason that's so important is because so many people out there have ideas. So many people out there have visions, right? And they don't, they don't 
execute them. And the reason is fear, doubt, confusion. And you set yourself, you came out with the baseballist on October, January. Uh, October 2017. Uh, in January 2018, you do your first post. Yeah. How many followers you got now? And it's not to brag. It's just to be able to... Um, all le- the, every, less than 70,000. Everybody listening, in less than two years, he got less than... You know, he has 70,000 followers that are baseball lovers. And what does that entail? What it entails is when you have an idea and you have a dream and you have a drive, you're able to make something happen. Because so many people out there have ideas. So many people out there have dreams, but they have zero execution. Yep. And that's where the problem. That's where the problem is. People don't execute. People talk too much, man. Another parallel to baseball right there. Is the, yeah, let's go for it. What, what, that was it. That was all. I, I, you got to execute. I, I just think people talk too much, right? People can tell me all they want. You know, from baseball to, hey, I want to be D1. I want to be pro. I want to be this. I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to build my own thing. I have such a great idea. Cool. Ideas mean nothing. So. They, they say, you know, one of the biggest things, you know, through personal development yeah. is the richest area in the world is a graveyard where people die with their dreams. You know, it's funny. I'm going to pick at that real quick. And then I want to ask you two a question. But today, um, when I was driving back from hitting practice, um, oh, uh, that um, actor that just died today of cancer. Yep. Um, what was his name from? Uh, um, Black, the Bla- <laughs> Black, Black Panther and then Jackie Robinson. There it is. I don't know. Chad. But Chad. Very young. 40, <laughs> 43. 43. I was I was with. Um, we should edit that part out because we're gonna seem insensitive. And uh, <laughs> no, but there 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 there's something I want to add to it. Is just to to what we're talking about. And I was telling my boys today. I was like, you know, yeah, he died young. Chadwick Bosman. There we go. Chad died, but I guarantee you, he lived a life that most people only dreamed of living. And I told my kids this, and they were like, uh, when we live. And we're told, and I, and I share this analogy with them. If they will come to me today and say, you have 30 days to live, I'll be happy to die. And again, death is something we can't avoid, right? And the reason I would be okay with it, because I live my life on my terms. Chad lived his life in his terms because he did what most people only dream of doing. Yep. What you said about, you know, the reason the cemeteries. Most people die with their dreams is because they don't execute. Yep. If I'm, you know, I turned 42 a couple of days ago. I only got 38, 40 years left to live. I got to make those days count. Right. But most people have the philosophy that, you know, like I told my kids, most people, they give them 30 days to live and they have not lived their full potential. They're the ones that are going to die with. You know, regret because they didn't achieve anything. They didn't achieve what they self set themselves to do. But now their time is limited. So, you know, picking at, you know, I just want to 
pick on what you said is why wouldn't we live to our full potential? Even if it's 35, 40 years, just like Chad, 42, the movies he created, he, he did what he wanted to do. He made his dream come true. So if they told him he had X amount of time to live, yes, it's sad, but you got to celebrate his accomplishments. And he celebrated his accomplishments till the last day, which was today. And most people will not be able to do that because they will be in regret their last moments on this planet. It's, it's fear. The fear of the unknown. It's an illusion. It's an illusion. It's the fear of not having security. The fear of failure. The fear of not um, living according to what they think they could live. Right? And, and I, I would feel terrible if I, if, I didn't, if I didn't break up his name. But there's, there's one person. Huh. One person that I know that passed away that I could say that lived his life. Hmm. Right? Jared Jordan. That's that's someone that, that means so much to, to Joe and I. Mm. He's wearing his hat right now. I'm, wear, I'm wearing I'm wearing his bracelet right now. He was only 32. Mm. Homie worked a job. And right after working, he went to straight to the to the lake and fished. That's all he cared. That's all he cared about. He was living. Like that that, that was it. There was no more. You know, maybe, you know, moving forward, it was probably a bigger boat and different areas, but he, he lived life. And to me, that that's something I always cherish was that's what he did. He did what he wanted. He worked his 40 hours as a, he, he created Tattoo Inc. He was a chef. He, he like, he, he was a scientist. Then he would take his truck to work with his boat and go straight to the lake right after that's wow. it. That was life to him. And that's that's something I respected. And because of that is I learned that he lived his life. Everyone has a uh, a death date. You yeah. know what I mean? Everyone everyone. It's it's no one's no one's going to well, live. Nobody's eternal. No one's eternal. But for me to say that a 32-year-old man lived his dream that shows a lot about a person mm-hmm. and it shows a lot about what what the fuck what are we doing? You know, and and now I want to, let's take that deeper. The definition of success. A lot of people think success is money. Money. But success is, if if you tell yourself, I'm going to fish every day after work for the rest of my life, and you do that, that's success. That's success. Because you said, you did what you set yourself to do. If a person says, I want to be a school teacher, retire, and live off my retirement for the rest of my life, and he does that, he's a success. Now, yep. um, some of us have bigger ambitions than that, than that, or bigger visions, which is okay. And some people don't, and it's okay. Yep. But that's a great, great um, example of somebody that lived their life to their fullest, doing what they love. At a young age. Yeah. And that and and it's kudos, you know, he's not here with us, but look, we're talking about him and he impacted, you know, I didn't know him, but you guys knew him. He impacted your life to be able to say, you know what? Life is what 
you set yourself to do and he did it yeah and he lived a fulfilled life so when when it was his time to go he he and it's and it's and the reason i'm sharing this is because that that's just what it is most people can't do that most people are doing the things that they have to do not the things they want to do and for him to be able to say today i'm taking my boat to work and as soon as i'm done i go fishing he was a success he died doing what he loved there it is that that's that I mean, I'm not saying that's a good way to go out, but to remember him, yeah. you know, they they always say live live their legacy. Yeah, he died doing what he loved. It's like me dying on the field, you know. Fuck, unfortunate, but my legacy lives on because I died on the field. You died doing what you love. Do what you love, and 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 that is the motto: is do what you love. And even if, you know, God works in a mysterious ways towards, hey, he takes your life right now, but your legacy lives on because you got to live what you want to do. We, we don't have control of that, you know? Dying, doing what you love. That's deep. Because how many people are doing what they hate? 99%. So are they really living then? No. No, no. They're already dead. They're existing. <laughs> Think about that's deep. They're not living. They're just existing that's because <laughs> because he just had a revelation. <laughs> no, no, and it's just deep. This is actually this is deep because they're just they're just there. They're ex- they think they're living. Yeah, that's I mean that's what's. Uh, that's what's cool about what we get to do, man. We get to really, we get to wake up. And even sometimes we feel like we're, we get caught up. I think everybody at some point is like, oh, man, I'm caught up in this hamster wheel again. I got to go back into my routine and it gets redundant. And, you know, it's just a matter of being grateful for what we're able to. I, go, it always, I think it always comes back to that. But just being grateful for what you're able to do with your, um, I mean, really with, shoot, just with our jobs, what, what, we, what we're able to do and provide and. Um, and I don't think they're jobs. They're I don't know what we call them? I mean, it's an careers, man. I a mean, career, at the end right? of the, at the end of the day, a job is you wake up to go do something you hate. That's a job. You know what the acronym of job stands for? Uh, I I know that someone. Um, J O B. Just over broke. broke. Fuck, I knew that one. <laughs> <laughs> Who knew the baseballologist had a freaking potty mouth, huh? <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I knew that one. But there's nothing wrong with being broke. Let me just right. clarify that because then we're going to have people like un- unfollow us or anything. But no. Again. <laughs> what, but what, what it entails is that you're just surviving, right? So when you say job, let's just clarify their careers because you guys have such a, a talent in, in the sport of baseball. You guys have such a great foundation and follow. I don't even know if I want to like call it a career. It's just a role we play. You That's know? what it is. It's a, just role. a role. It's not even like. And you guys are leaders yeah. in that sport. So that's where it falls back. You know. And so now the question. You know. We talked about. I mean. We've been talking some great stuff man. These are all gut checks. That's what I call them gut checks. Because at the end of the day. Everybody that's listening. They're going to take this information and be able to do something 
with it or they're just going to listen to it to feel good. And that's not what we're, we, we do these podcasts. We do these podcasts to be able to create value, to be able to change people's lives. So now the question I was waiting for is to ask both of you is, if you would do baseball again, what odds would be in your favor to go pro? Because I know both of you had that, you know, you played, you played semi-pro, you, you played college. But what, diff, what would you do different to be able to take your game to a pro level? Because at the end of the day, maturity experiences, there is something that you know now that you don't know back then. So I want to ask you both that question. Me? All right, I'll go. All right. So one, there is no semi-pro in baseball. That's, that's, a, <laughs> Sorry. that's a fictitious. Okay. Like when people say, oh, I played semi-pro. No, you didn't. You played adult <laughs> league baseball with a 30-pack at that local high school field on Sundays. Okay. okay so that's that's I, that's non-existent. So, so clarification. Um, I know. I mean, I heard, I've heard, I've heard people say that too. Well, yeah, like, sure. Is there a semi-pro league I don't know about? <laughs> and then, um, and then, you know, like Domingo Yellow started semi-pro. Yeah, game. like ten years ago, like people were like, "Oh, I played semi-pro," and I'm like, "Where'd you play semi-pro at?" The but semi-pro? um, <laughs> that's minor leagues. But um, yeah, yeah, no, I mean, I know exactly the time. Yeah. That I peaked in my career, and exactly the time it kind of started, you know, de-escalating. Um, was it your, was it, it was 100% my fault. Okay. 100%. And I remember, and I'm not going to throw anybody into the bus because again, it's completely my fault, but I remember my coach in college when I showed up, um, to my first year of college and he had told me that he basically, he basically sat me down in his office and said, listen, I know you don't like to practice hard. That's what he told me. And I was like, Okay. And I was like, I'm not sure. I'm not really <laughs> following, but I'm going to let you continue. And then he said, you're not like everybody else on this team. You could turn the switch on in the game and then you could turn it off during practice. And you, he basically just told me like, you're just not a good practicer. Right. And yeah. I was like, okay, but I always performed in the games. So if we played in a scrimmage or we played in a inner squad, right. Um, and that year, and this isn't this isn't to commend myself, but that year I was a I was an All American as a freshman or freshman All American, um, and it was like easy, and so like that gave what he what he told me earlier in the fall that year, that gave what happened during the season gave what he said validity, so I was like shoot he's right, I don't even have to try hard in practice and I'm still going to perform, so in my mind I was thinking that. Right. So then I kind of shut down mentally, um, got hurt a few times, but I didn't have the work ethic to get back, you know, and recover from injury when, you know, in baseball injuries happen, you know, everybody gets injured at some point. And so I just didn't have, I didn't, I didn't have the work ethic. I didn't have the drive or ambition to recover. I didn't want to go to the weight room every day. Um, you know, I just kind of took my my lackadaisical habits and and carried it with me, and then eventually I just kind of fell off, and I didn't. I got complacent. I uh, didn't have the best year the next year, and I just kind of. I just remember that was just kind of like the the downfall of you know 
who I was as a player. Um, yeah, I know exactly when. So now that you know that, going back to that question is, if you had the opportunity to do it again, you know, um, you know exactly what you. Yeah, do. I would make the. I would be different. You know, so all the things that I talk about now on how you should maintain the consistency and work ethic and you know expectations of yourself, standards, all that stuff. That's from that comes from personal experience of when I decided to drop the ball. And I made a personal choice to do it. Like I said, okay, well, I'm just not going to do my extra work today because I don't need to, you know. Um, and so there's this little battle that goes on the side of your head every day. Do I want to go get extra work in? Do I want to go to the weight room? Do I want to stay and play at the time Halo was a big game at on PlayStation? <laughs> do I want to play Halo with my roommate, you know? And so, you know, a lot of times it was, oh, Halo, I'm going to play some video. And I wasn't even a big video game guy. I just found any excuse not to go get my extra work in and you know you know the difference between ordinary and extraordinary the little extra and (laughs) it's crazy because now you know everybody that's listening you're giving them a perspective of somebody that could have yeah should have and didn't and that question is for that reason because so many people out there be like oh i could have done this but why didn't you like, I'm a firm believer that if you don't succeed in the game the way you want to, it 100% falls back on you. Yeah. 100%. Any, I always say this. If the results you're looking for, you don't get, it's 100% your fault. Yeah. yeah. But one thing I am proud of, I never quit, you know. I never quit. I always, you know, played. And regardless of whatever I got paid, you know, I ended up signing in 07. Um and, you know, I signed for $5,000, you know, and that was more than I was getting from scholarship money from San Diego State. So I was like, fuck it, I'm just going to go play for $5,000. And then, um, you know, got to play, learned a lot. As soon as I got back to the mode of just having fun with the game, that's when my success started picking up again. It was funny, man. Like, and you, you, see it, you see it in the numbers every single year. I played professionally six years, and you could see when I wasn't having fun, when I hated going to the field, I was hitting like, I don't know, 220, you know, just like very, you know, and then once I was like, ah, oh, screw it, you know, I'm just going to play this game because it's a fun game. And, you know, and then I, I always go back to that, you know, why play the game if it's not fun, right? So, you know, it's got to be fun. So I made it fun for myself again. And eventually, it's funny, man, like my 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 success rate went through the roof. Um, I was I was a good player again. Weird. So, so um yeah i just need to do it for the right reasons at the end of the day and be accountable um, to yourself not be you gotta be selfless at the end of the day you know and it's fun playing team baseball when you're playing for yourself and you're playing for your own success um you're alone on an island you're by yourself and if you don't have that success you're still alone because people know what your motives are mm. so that's not, a great i am not directing this to specific players on the 2022 and 2023 class we have. <laughs> How about you, Ellie? So, what was that pivotal moment? You could go back and say, you know what? What did you have to do to go pro? One of my biggest, mo- one of my biggest sayings is, work at what you suck at. Hmm. Especially with you know when it comes to say baseball specifically, you need to be an all around guy, defense, offense. Mentally, physically, and I knew my flaws, but the problem is, 
you just, you know, especially with kids growing up, is when they take BP, they hit to showcase that they can hit over the fence. Mm. I'm like, that's awesome. But now let me throw you a middle away pitch that you can't do anything with that you roll over. That's that's my way of calling them out. Okay. So for me, it's like I lacked at my fielding and I lacked at my arm. Guess what? I didn't work on it because I knew my bat was good enough. My bat, my bat got me my scholarship, you know, but my arm, I knew that I threw wrong. I short armed. I had tendonitis. I, I had a, I was very strong, but I was very limited by my mechanics. I knew it. I didn't do anything about it. And that's that pivotal moment. Yep. And I knew it. And, and it and it beat me in the butt in college even more because the game is the same. It only gets stronger and faster. That's it. Actually, stronger, faster, smarter. So if my arm isn't building, therefore my arm isn't capable of the stronger and the faster people. And it really kicked me in the butt. And that's something I teach today is I don't care if you can hit a middle middle end pitch. I don't care if you can hit a fastball, but can you hit an off speed? Can you hit a middle way? Can you sit on a pitch? Can you go the other way? Can you change your approach for, an, for uh, you know, two strikes? Because that's what's going to take you to the next level is knowing your weaknesses, knowing your strengths, and adjusting. But people, just like what Joe said, is people get so complacent of knowing where they stand, they hope that's good enough. That's that's what's going to bite you in the butt. Mm. Your right. complacency is such a, like, it's a silent killer, man. Like, it sets it in and you don't even realize. Like, yeah. I know guys right now, like, in our program, like, how good they are right now. Yeah. They're not always going to be that good. Yeah. Like, yeah. And they're stars for their age right now. Like, they're social media sensations yep. and travel baseball. They're on the cover of Perfect Games website sometimes. I mean... We've had so many of those, and like you don't hear about their names ever again after they go to college, and there's a reason for that. Yeah, kind of like, like Joe saying, you know, you're an All-American, what, freshman year? Yeah. And, and you probably got too comfortable. That was, it was just, it was complacency, man. Like, and that, and again, I'm not throwing anything under the bus, but it was the words of one coach that triggered this whole thing for me. You don't have to turn it on in practice. Just turn it on in the game and you're fine. You programmed you. And it was, it was just and that was the instant that complacency set in for me. Yeah. Do you, you think know? do you think it's complacency or ego? It could be both. Probably it, it's probably both, but I I know for me it was complacency at that time. You know, I know because it was just like, okay, well shoot, like if that's what he believes in me, okay. Then and I respect him as yep. who who he was as a you know as an authority figure, a coach, or, you know, and, and, um, to just knowing what he did in the game himself, you know, he had, you know, tons of, I mean, when you're a head coach at a division one school, like you've, you've, you've done some stuff, you've had some, yeah. some success, you know, I mean, he was a shoot recruiting coordinator of the year, um, baseball America's recruiting coordinator of the year for Georgia tech. Several years, several years in a row, if I remember correctly, he recruited Mark Teixeira. He got Mark Teixeira to go to Georgia Tech and opt out of a million dollar contract out of high school, and 
you know, found a way to get him to Georgia Tech for three years, and then he signs for $3 million after three years, you know. Um, so hearing those stories from him and hearing about his his experience with USA Baseball and his experience, you know, in professional baseball and his experience at Oklahoma State and all that stuff. So just uh, knowing, respecting who he was, like what he had said to me meant a lot. Like when some when you have a good coach knowing that, you know, what they what they have, what they've done, right? What they say, like you respect it. And so I respected him when he said that, but I I think I may have took it the wrong way. Like I was like, ah, like now, like I, and I knew it's not the right thing to do, but I was like, shoot, I don't have to work hard. That's essentially the way I translate it. I don't have to work hard in practice because I'm different than everybody else. Yeah. I can go perform. And he was right. I could, I could turn it on and perform when it was time for me to recover from injury, when it was time for me to do stuff to prevent injury. And it really just came down to me just not wanting to get my work in, in the weight room. I just decided, hey, shit, I'm just going to eat whatever I want. I'm going to go to Chipotle every day. I'm going to, you know, whatever. I just, I just, my nutrition was bad. My my work ethic in the weight room was bad. My work, my work ethic in practice was average. You know, and that's where, you know, I couldn't just perform. I couldn't go out there and perform the same way. You know. So would we agree that complacency is the, the killer of dreams? Yeah, I think yeah, it's it's yeah. the same thing as comfortability, man. It's yep. the same thing. And, and you can't get you can't get comfortable. And, and and ego too. I mean, like you said, is it complacency, complacency or ego? There's kids that are 16 that are already committed, but their egos kick in. Oh, I'm already committed to so and so. That alone, that tweet, that Instagram post, that. Just that, you know, that that shirt that they wear, that's enough because they made it. They're uh, they're 16 years old. Yeah, they think that the they commitment think they is made all, it. Their commitment is the end all be all. Like it's that's what they that's what they've been waiting for. That's it. Even parents, and you can see it, like everybody lays their cards out. My son, my son's dreams have come true. He's committed to so and so. Yeah, you know, X, Y, and Z university, you know. Keep working hard, son. You know, keep following your dreams, and then you never hear from that kid again once he goes to school. Yeah, and and and, <laughs> and, and because yeah. of that ego and that complacency, people are outworking them. And 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 to add to that, when that kid gets that commitment, that IG post, that Facebook post, right, and the parents say, you know, I'm very proud of you. That's when the work begins. That's when it should begin. Should begin. That's when it should begin. But then everybody's chasing the hype. You, oh man. Let's talk about that. I think about, dude, like I'm surrounded by so many hype guys. I want to like, you ever see when Wee Man kicked himself in the face in the Jackass, the (laughs) movie? Dude, I wish I could do that. If I can do that, if, if, if I kicked myself in the face for every time I had a hype man around me say something that was like. You know, so non-conducive to what we want to provide kids. You know, then I I would have like a contusion inside of my brain the size of like an Oompa Loompa's forehead. You know, like it was <laughs> like the guys I have around Oompa me. Loompa. Right, I have really good people, man. LA's a good coach, good dude. Andrew's a good coach, good dude. Does it for the right reasons. Tony Garcia, good coach, good guy. You know, Baruman, good coach, good guy. I have all these guys around me, right? 
And I'm so thankful for that because it's hard to find good people in this game at this level, right? But you always have like something, like some type of hype that needs to come around, you know, come and get involved with. I mean, what LA does, like he has to, he has to have hype around what he does, man. He's building an audience, he's building a market, he's doing great things with what he, and providing tons of value for the people that follow him, and he does things for the right reasons. When we, when it comes to what our I think what our parents and what our kids are seeking, they're seeking, you know, social media sensation. Approval. Approval. Um, like when I see our kids, like, in the middle of the night, it's 2.30 in the morning. I'm up sometimes. Why the hell are they up? They got virtual learning at 8 o'clock in the morning. And they're saying, I'm bored. Ask me a question on social media. Go to bed. <laughs> Go to bed. Or, or do something more productive than sitting there and you know, answering, looking at the answers or, or answering the questions that people ask you at 2.30. Nothing good's going to come at 2.30 in the morning. You know, nothing inspirational or motivational. Anyways, what I'm saying is, is that going back to the documentary when we were, I'm, I'm going to say it when we were laying next to each other in that hotel room. <laughs> <laughs> when we were laying next to each other in that bed in the hotel room, we were watching that documentary. What was it? Which documentary? Uh, what was it called? Uh, shoot. Out of Shadows. Have you seen that one? Dude, crazy. Yeah. And uh, a little bit of a conspiracy theory, but very a lot of truth to it. And how, dude, are the young minds, not even just the young minds, man, but minds in general, we're just getting so programmed to, to do certain things. And we get, back on, we get back on the hamster wheel. I've been saying that a lot in the last couple of weeks. So we get back on the hamster wheel. We have to go to social media to get that approval and that credibility from our peers. We have to. If we don't get that... That you're we not, don't you're not doing a good job. Well, yeah, we suck. I had a kid, dude. Listen to this. So last summer, right? I'm in George, Florida, right? I had a kid on our 2021 team. He's a good player. I'm not gonna put his name out. Um, tells me, hey man, you have five thousand followers on Instagram. I said, yeah. So what? He goes, why do you only get a hundred likes? I'm like. I don't know, man. Is there a ratio I gotta meet? And then he goes, <laughs> yeah, man. Like obviously, people don't like your stuff. So then I go back to my hotel room and I'm looking at my phone and he follows me. Yeah. He doesn't like one of my posts, that kid. And I was like, I go back to him the next day. I'm like, you know why? Because selfish people like you say stupid shit like that, but you're not the one contributing, (laughs) you know? And he was like, what do you mean? Well, you're one of my followers. You don't like my stuff. What's wrong with you? (laughs) You know, like, and not that I care about it, but that just shows... You know where his head's at. People are they're chasing the attention. That they're egoistic, and so the thing emotion. is, if you want to have the attention that does matter, you got to do shit right when it counts, not not for the gram, not and, for. And that's you know, you have a following, LA, but you're you're providing that value. So now we're talking about athletes that want to take their game to the next level so the difference is and again i say complacency and ego but now it's more of an ego thing because if if it's for the gram and well i got committed to this uh university you are or you know whatever the fact may be they're not doing it for their own fulfillment to become better or to achieve their dreams and acceptance. goals. Acceptance. 
They're yeah. So now they're doing it for the world to to fill their ego. Yep. It's like, you know, we all know and, and again, I don't know if you guys know this, but every like that we get on social media platforms has the same dopamine squirt as cocaine. Yeah. So everybody that, you know, we use an example of somebody that got committed and everybody's proud of them. They post this and they get tons of likes. Well, their dopamine squirt is like to the roof. Yeah. So and when they don't do that, that's when they feel empty. Yeah. So to me, it's like, oh, man, though, like. As parents, like, why do we let that happen? Why do we let that? Like, why do you let your kid put, ask me a question, 2.30? Because <laughs> like, like, people... To, I tell my own kid, like, what's wrong with you, you know? The thing is, is they want to be accepted. Yeah, but the, the parents are part of the problem. Because the they parents are also wanting that acceptance. Yeah, because they don't even know they that that's what know, they're looking they for. They want their kid... To be in the light as long as they can because either they live vicariously through them, they're proud of them, obviously, um, but they're also getting the attention as well. Correct. Right? Correct. Because people are, oh my God, congratulations. Congratulations, Mike. I'm Johnny. Two for three again. Post when it goes over three, and I'll be, you know, then we'll be happy. You know, the- I give, and, and I want and that's a great point. I give anybody more props. When you when you talk about your failures and how you felt, then on your wins because your wins don't share anything. Your failures do, yep. and that's one thing that I always tell people. I like sharing my story. You know, like we were talking about my story because my story is not pretty, and I'm gonna tell you my story because who cares about what I've done, yeah. but what I've gone through, the pain and the and. And the and the adversity and struggle, that's what's valuable. Not the wins. Yeah. The losses. That's what people care about or at least learn from. Correct. Is how'd you get out of it? Hey, maybe you know, you know, it's funny you said right now. Why don't people post when they went 0 for three? When they dropped the pot fly to lose the game. I think that would get more likes in the longer. <laughs> like, oh, he dropped the ball again. <laughs> he dropped the ball. <laughs> but no, think about it. Why don't people do that? Because they're not going to get approval from other people. They're going to get judged. Yeah. yeah, They're so worried about what people think of them. And, and you know what? It's like, I could talk a lot about it because obviously with what I do, right? Yeah. I have X, Y, and Z amount of followers. And, you know, I did it because I loved it. Yeah, but you get to a point where, you know, whether you're a creator, a singer, an artist, anything you do, especially if it involves social media, you get to a point where in your life you're like, am I doing it to, am I doing it for the likes, or am I doing because I want to do it? And you get, I got to that point where I'm like, okay, well, I have X, Y, and Z amount of followers, I'm gonna do it because I know I'm gonna get likes. But did it make me happy? Of course not. I'm at a point where right now it's like I've understood that I want to post because I want to post. Yeah. I want to post because it makes me happy. I want to post because it makes me transparent. Mm. And transparency, authentic, authentic, authenticity, <laughs> authenticity, genuinity is what made me who I am. 
And I don't want to do it for the likes. I don't care if it gets one like. Yeah. People like me for who I am. Correct. For showing failure. For Correct. showing, um, you know, mistakes. Correct. Because that's what makes a person even more genuine is because you're showing failure. And it shows humility. Humility. Social media is such a big lie in society. Because everyone posts what they want to post, which is the good stuff. I saw I saw a meme today from uh, and it was like a meme with Mike Tyson, and he was like, "Social media made it easy for people to talk shit and not get hit in the face." I thought that was so great. Yeah. Sure, you know, because everybody posts what they yeah. want people to perceive them as. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, and I was thinking about this the other day, like. Everybody, and I don't want to go off topic too much here, but it's just, it's kind of on topic, I guess, at the same time. Like, you know, a lot of people, we all know a lot of people that go on their political rants on like <laughs> Facebook or, you know what I mean? Uh. They would literally never say this stuff to your face in person. Ever. True. And they get so judgmental and so offensive, right? But they, they hide behind their computer screens or their phones or whatever. And then they come, you know, and in person, like, they're completely different. They never say this stuff. You know? Why don't you, like, why don't you be that? If that's who you are, why don't you be that in person? Because they, that's why social media is such a two-faced platform. It, it creates yeah. a buffer for you to not, for you to be yourself. And let me And, and not receive immediate feedback and let's go on to entrepreneurship real quick people are scared of sales right yeah. sales is we all sell regardless if you buy into it or not and uh, and, and, and i want to add to that because you could be a salesperson on facebook posting that you're selling this cup here right and if nobody buys you think your cup sucks yeah but when you have to go out there and knock on somebody's door to buy this cup and they tell you to fly a kite, yeah. then you, you don't go on to the next. So many people get in the entrepreneur space thinking, well, let me sell these cups. And if they tell me no, well, I don't care because it was indirect. It was a very indirect approach. I think it's, yeah, okay, I mean... I'm not saying I grew up in, like, the hood or anything, but I grew up in an area where, like, if you said the wrong thing, you got punched in the mouth. Yeah. Right? 100%. Like, I don't think there's a lot of people out there that know, like, that's what happens if you speak that way to certain people, mm -hmm. you know? And not that I'm going to go punch anybody in the mouth, but the thing is, like, people are, like, they creates like, they're fearless in what they say. You know, they don't because yeah, they don't get up. punched in the face because it. But as soon as they do, then they probably stop. They start to think maybe a little bit more. But I mean, not to say that has to happen, but I mean. But these are the same people that are, you know, that I know that have that I deal with their kids. So <laughs> that's who their kids are, too. You know, at the end of the day. And so their kids see what their parents do, how mm -hmm. they act, how they be. Then they go, they're the same way. Now they're kids, so they're more pure and they're more, you know, most of the time they're more pure. Some of those kids are not. But but they, you know what I mean? There's more, you know, like they're, they're, they're more, they're more, what's the word I'm trying to say here? Not just coachable, but they're more, you know, like you can, 
I mean, they're just not as. I, I don't think they they have the same level of like uh, accountability yeah. as 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 their parents who are obviously adults. And like I said earlier, it's just you know they're just representing their environment. That's all it is. But so then they then they express themselves the same way. Of course, you know they act the same way on social media. They go on political rants and they know nothing about politics. Their parents know nothing about politics. Everybody thinks they know. <laughs> they think they know about politics, you know, and and they go they go on their rants about. I mean, their parents go on their rants about politics, but then they start like, okay, my mom's on social media media all the time doing this. What's the problem if I'm on social media all the time, or what's the problem if I'm posting as much as my mom does? What's the problem with that? Asking questions. Ask me something. <laughs> yeah, ask me. I mean, it's just they just go into nonsense, though. There's nothing, there's nothing, you know, <laughs> substantial about it. And, you know. But, but let's, let me pick at that real quick. Mm. You know, when, when, when somebody posts, ask me something about me, it's because it's very indirect, right? And uh, let me say something really fast. This is a way more serious talk than I thought we were going to have before we got on here. Really? You today. I thought we were going to shoot the shit <laughs> and, and joke around. But I'm glad we're talking about it. it makes more, it's so ask me something. <laughs> Just like, knock, knock. <laughs> knock, knock. <laughs> no, but, you know, the reason I pick at that is because a lot of people have to ask people to ask them something. Yeah. Because they don't know how to communicate that in person. Does that make sense? It's I think very. There's a lot different. of lonely kids out there. there is. They're it, empty. It, it, it's attention. Emptiness. It's attention. attention. You know, ask me something is a way of getting guys to be like, dude, you're a stud. You know, oh, yeah, I am. Or, hey, you're cute. It's like, oh, I know I am. It's like, it's seeking, seeking attention. The and best is when they put ask me something and they have the logo of the college they're committed to in the background. <laughs> All right. I haven't seen those. I haven't seen a lot of those. I mean, all right, you know. You know, and, and it's like, <laughs> and to me, it's like I give them praise, yeah. right? That's a great accomplishment. And we talked about this. It's like just because you have this, just because you accomplish this, you're not done. No. But I feel like because of that, because of that one success, you feel like you made it and you want all the glory. Right. But, but again, we're si- we're in such of such like a tight bubble that travel ball. And I hate that term travel ball. I did a pot. You know, Rob Bruno from uh, he runs North Cal baseball up in Northern California. But we were talking about like how we hate the term travel ball. And we hate being associated with it. Like, I don't like the term travel ball and being associated with it because of the negative connotation that comes with it. You know, and so we like to refer to it as academy, academy, program, a program, a you know, college development program turned out to be a big term that went around town. Uh, it's funny because um, Rob actually typed it out what a college development program was about 10 years ago i say hey rob i really like what you what you wrote here can i use this yeah of course we use it guess what after we like post it and we blast it out and all that stuff 
everybody else took that same page word for word and put it out. So now everybody's this college development program and everybody thinks that they have, you know, the, 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 formula, the formula for success. There is no formula for sex, success except for like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and I, we tell our guys all, well, I, I tell them like, just because you wear a CBA jersey doesn't mean you're going to succeed in baseball. Like you're just wearing a CBA jersey because you bought it, man. Like the guy on the corner could wear a CBA, could buy a CBA jersey. You know, it has nothing to do with that. It's, it's you know, what you bring to the table every day. Um, a CBA acronym, College Baseball Academy. I can't get the answer to that on Hancock. <laughs> Siri's in the house. Yeah, Siri's she, boyfriend, was that? She, was she just woke up. Kevin? She was taking uh, a nap. <laughs> no. Um, College Baseball Academy. Could be, but it's not. I mean, there there is no formula, but... Yeah, for successors, hard work. I mean, not. I mean, in the game, like there's no formula. I mean, yeah, hard work and all that, but there's no like, okay, if you do next, you know, fifty minutes of fielding, uh, an hour of hitting, you know, like there's no like you got, you know, you fulfilled your workload for the day. There's no such thing as that. No. You know, it's not a nine to five. You yeah. know, where you can clock in and clock out. This is something you really have to live this game and not. Not for the superficial aspects of it, you know, not because you're seeking attention and that's why you want to succeed so you can continue to get attention. And I think yep. that's an underlying factor and why people are motivated, which is fine. You know, that's good in the short term, but long term, you know, it's not, it's not, not going to sustain you, yeah. you know? So like, again, you know, and I've said this before and I bring it up all the time to players, you know, last year, 50% of freshmen at the division one level, 50% were in the transfer portal by the end of the year. So that, that number is so alarming that these kids and parents don't understand that they're about to be a, a statistic, you know, not all of them, but 50% of them are, Damn. you know? So think about it. Ole decides, Hey, I'm going to commit to, I don't know, Arkansas, whatever school he says he wants to go to. Right. Statistically, there's a 50% chance he bounces back to Chafee Junior College right here. Yeah. Statistically, right? So how do you not become that statistic at the end of the day? That's what you should be chasing now. Don't be that statistic. Yeah. You know, don't be... So we're not just... We're trying not to teach guys like, hey, it's about, you know, you got committed. Let me put the banner on the wall and, you know, let me sign the wall and all, the, you know, that stuff's all superficial BS. None of that matters. None of that matters at the end of the day. Fine. Yeah. Congratulations. You deserve it. You know, you deserve some credit, you know, but let's go back to the drawing board and stop focusing on what you've done and let's focus on what you're going to do, you know? And so I don't think like people are so locked in the pride's there. Like, Oh man, my kid's committed here. You know, congratulations, mijo. And then the kid just feels that like <laughs> he feels all the time. Like he just wants to feel that congratulations and all, you know, he wants to feel the pat on the back as often yeah. as he can. And it's, you know, that's, that's dangerous because then that builds, I think, complacency and comfortability. I think um, that's a great po podcast for you guys. We just for, did it. Um, <laughs> for locked in 50, I mean, that's a huge number. Statistics. 50%. Jeez. You know, and, and parents don't realize that. I don't do think you, even travel coaches and high school coaches realize that. How do you solve that problem? You don't. It's not a problem. It's the way that, it's the, way the game works. 
Because here's the it's thing. Not time you to can't be. keep everybody at the college level, but they need to recruit enough players to make sure that they're going to fill a competitive roster. Got so it. the only way you can hold a, hold a player accountable, right, when you're not on the field all the time, because fall ball and Division One baseball, I'm sure in, 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 most, most college, uh, in, in most divisions in college baseball, is fall ball for team baseball is one month long, right? And that's in the fall semester. You have, what, three, four months, 15 weeks, 17 weeks, something like that, right? So one month of team baseball. So how are you holding kids? That's where the coaches are able to be on the field and do team stuff. You have one month. So think about the other two, three months that you have there. How do you, how do you know that those other kids are getting better if you can't be out there? You can't. You recruit three people in this position. They all compete, at, compete against each other. The, the weak links, see you later. You know, There's no way. That's the only way you can hold kids accountable right? to work hard. There it is. I mean... All the parents out there listening that are in the baseball world, there it is. Statistics: 50 percent. That's going to be that's going to be the title of this podcast. 50 percent. <laughs> One last thing is LA. Why LA? Where'd that come from? My my dad growing up, uh, his name is Alex. Yeah, loved uh, the show. I love Lucy. <laughs> and you know, I, like I said earlier, Filipinos are like Mexicans. We love nicknames, and we'll ride nicknames like it's our own, like our own name, like you know? compa nene. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> you know. And long story short, my dad loved the show. I love Lucy, and he he loved the concept of Ricky and Little Ricky, the son. Mm. So my dad's Alex, I'm Little Alex. Mm. So since birth, can he not? Since birth, LA. He called everyone called me L.A. That's short for little Alex. Have people ever asked you why they call you Alex? Oh, all the time. That's you right. know, and I always have my short 10 minute, 10 second answer. You know, have you seen the show of Lucy? I love Lucy. Yeah. All right. You know, Ricky. Yeah. Little Ricky. Cool. My same concept. My dad's Alex. I'm little Alex. He loves the show. <laughs> you know? it is. And, and, and growing up, <laughs> gr- growing up, like, um, through elementary, middle school, high school, college, profession, LA, LA got almost stick, like just stuck. Like, if you call me Alex, I'm like, what? <laughs> you don't like, even turn around. I didn't even know what his real name was until last night. Yeah. Really? What is your... I forgot it. So, the full name is Mark... Oh, uh, see, I didn't know that. Alexander Gamo. I didn't know that. And, you know, Alexander's like... the Like, Mark Alexander is my first name. And, um, yeah. You know, so the Alexander is my dad... My dad's name. And L.A. just stuck. Hmm. So, I'm like, I mean... I'm not gonna change anything. That's just who I who I define myself as, you know. You done a great job of branding it. So. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. So that's it, gentlemen. I mean, first of all, this was awesome. We gotta do this again. Sure, I think, you don't uh, wanna do another two hours? Nah, you gotta wake up early. Tomorrow you got some baseball games. You stay up, you don't gotta wake up. I got yoga. I got yoga. <laughs> yeah, but you gotta sleep. <laughs> I got yoga class tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Well, anything else you guys want to add? No, no, that, that was that was like too <laughs> short. Huh? Well, you know, one one of the things I do want to add is this: that you know, these conversations they're not they're fun, but they're full of value because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, you know, all we're trying to do is be able to give back and be able to share experiences that we've gone through 
experiences you guys have gone through in the baseball world and be able to portray this message to all the listeners wherever you're at in, in, in your journey of life to be able to give shine some light because at the end of the day that's what's going to get you to where you want to go and is it easy absolutely absolutely not that's why we say it's hard you know but if, if you, you stay consistent you will actually overcome that that those tough times so with that you know i want to say thank you guys thank you joe thank you la for being here i mean this is going to be on our platform so everybody can listen to it but at the end of the day let's stay together let's keep pushing let's keep creating value for the world and and try to just be an example to the world so with that said i want to say thank you guys thank you amen love the podcast man it's awesome we'll do it again We'll do Appreciate this soon. you guys. All right, guys. Take it easy. This is Caesar. Thank you guys for joining us. This is the Gut Check with Caesar Gomez. Stay tuned for more Gut Checks, more episodes. And if you got value through any of our episodes, feel free to share them with your friends, colleagues, other entrepreneurs, anybody out there that's just trying to better their life. See you guys soon.